the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. Amen. So this Sunday we had a few options about themes and readings. It is the fourth Sunday of Advent and uh, we've just listened to the readings for the fourth, sun for the fourth Sunday of Advent. Oh, yeah. Epiphany. So I was... I missed most of Epiphany, so I'm still back in Advent. There you go. Um, but instead of those readings, we could have, if we wanted, uh, uh, used the readings for the presentation of Jesus to the t in the temple, which is on Wednesday, the 2nd of February. A story about uh, when Mary and Joseph, on their way home, um, fulfilled the law. Uh, so uh, Luke's Gospel is a little bit different from Matthew's Gospel. Matthew's Gospel, they will flee to Egypt to avoid Herod. In Luke's Gospel, they just go home, because that's where they come from, Nazareth. And on their way home, uh, just up the road from Bethlehem is Jerusalem, and they stop at the temple, and there they make the sacrifice as uh, prescribed by the law. Um, and it was just some turtle doves, uh, which showed that they were poor. They couldn't uh, actually do the full sacrifice. And while they're there, Anna and Simeon uh, prophesy and proclaim over Jesus. This day is more commonly called uh, in, in the Anglican tradition anyway, Candlemas, uh, because uh, it's the day that we um, bless the candles for the coming year, traditionally. I mean, we haven't, uh, but I thought we would this year. It marks 40 days from Christmas Day. So if you put Christmas and Epiphany together, they make a 40-day season. Uh, and this season is all about the revelation of Jesus as Messiah and the Son of God and how people respond to that. So during these 40 days, we've heard the Christmas story. We've heard about the coming of the Magi and Jesus being revealed to the Gentiles. Uh, we heard about Jesus' baptism when he is revealed to be God's Son. We heard his first miracle in John's Gospel, the wedding at Cana. And last week we heard part one of Luke 4, which is the central part of Luke's telling of the Jesus story when he returns home and uh, he reads from the scroll of Isaiah. And then on Wednesday we finish that season by hearing the story of his presentation and we hear the words of Anna and Simeon. In each reading we hear a little bit more about who Jesus is. In Luke, we hear that Jesus is filled with the Spirit. That's one of the big themes of Luke's Gospel. And he stands in the prophetic tradition, another of the big themes of Luke's Gospel, living out God's justice. One of the reasons why I stuck with the fourth Sunday in Epiphany rather than Candlemas readings is, well, this week we hear about how people respond. So we often think about Epiphany being the revelation of Jesus, but it's also about <coughs> how people respond to that revelation. And, well, as this Sunday makes clear, this way is not universally popular. 
not for the last time. People are unhappy at the way, at his way of living God's justice out. And so today we heard about how the people of Nazareth can't get beyond the boy who they'd watched growing up. And they're deeply annoyed that he will not fulfill his obligation to offer healing and hope in his hometown amongst his own people first. They feel dishonoured and they seek to kill him by stoning. So you throw a person off the cliff and then you drop large stones on them to make sure that they're dead. That's what that was all about. And that's a theme that will run through, well, all the Gospels. How people are upset and plot to kill Jesus, which they eventually do at the crucifixion. Speaking the words of God has never been popular. There you go. Should have put little things in my notes. And so we have the story of Jeremiah, who was, like most of the prophets, deeply unpopular. And so one of the reasons why I stuck with uh, this Sunday's reading is because because we could hear from Jeremiah, and we can reflect on the fact that he too was unpopular. Uh, But also, I like it. It's It's a great reading about his call. Uh, And it echoes something of my own reluctance with with my own call. And it reminds me that call is a lot less about what I do and who I am. So our call is much more about who we are. And out of that comes what we do. As God says to Jeremiah, before I created you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I made you a prophet to the nations. It's a wonderful, wonderful piece of scripture. And I find it deeply encouraging somehow. So this passage helps us think about call. Who are we called to be? And it invites us to think about our own call. And to know that being called is not always appreciated, either by the person called or by those around. Jeremiah was not enthusiastic about this call. He said he was too young. He had other ideas about his life. And he knew that the people in Jerusalem were not going to like what he had to say. He, like all the prophets, was to name God's response to the anguish of God's people caused by the injustices, corruption and cruelty of the Jerusalem leadership. And, not surprisingly, that was not going to go down well with that Jerusalem leadership. They wanted to silence him. They had worked very hard to silence him. They didn't like what he had to say. And the last we hear of him is when, after Jerusalem falls, he goes into exile in Egypt. They wanted to silence him, just as the leadership wanted to silence Jesus 600 years later. I wonder how any of that fits your own experience of call. What is not often understood is that the Hebrew word translated as touch, which we 
They got touched his lips. That sounds like a very gentle and nice thing to do. But the Hebrew word can also mean strike or harm. For example, it is the Hebrew word used to describe the wind touching the house that Job's children were in. <coughs> that killed them. So that was quite a harmful, violent touch. So while we might think that touch here is quite a gentle thing, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was a disorienting touch, an ear-ringing, dazing touch. Maybe it picked him up and turned him around, made him rethink who he was and what his life was about. And as I read that, I thought, do you know that's what we've been going through for the last two years? COVID has picked us up and turned us around. It has been a touch, the same kind of touch Jeremiah had. So here we are in red, trying to work out what all that means and looking ahead to what might happen. Having lived through two years of a global pandemic, it is a bit like that touch on Jeremiah's mouth. Disorienting. It has picked us up. It has turned us around. And it is still picking us up and turning, turning us around. Maybe God is not done with us yet. So as I read Jeremiah's call, I wonder who we are called to be at this time. This was already in the PowerPoint, so I just left it there. I must have used it three or six years ago. I wonder if our reading from Paul, his great hymn about love, has something to say about all of this. It is also one of my favourite passages from the, from the Bible, so another reason why we just stuck with Epiphany 4. And it's used a lot at weddings, which is great if people are really listening to what Paul is saying, because it's very countercultural to how we normally understand love. We think love as a feeling. It is something that is inside us, and we feel that towards someone. That is not what Paul is talking about here. Each of the words that he uses to describe love are verbs. So love for Paul was not a feeling about someone. It was how people acted towards another person. Actions that come out of their commitment to that person. Actions that reveal the work of the Spirit within them. In this case, this is an expression of God's commitments to all people, as shown in the way Jesus revealed God's compassion. And as we have been seeing over the last 40 days through the Christmas Epiphany period, love is acting patiently. Love is being kind. Love isn't being jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It doesn't behave indecently. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice. 
It is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. Love is how we act. This is what it looks like when we live love. So I wonder, as we negotiate our way through red, I wonder how this way of acting love helps us. I wonder how we experience God's compassionate and active love. How do we experience that for ourselves? And how are we invited to live love, both for ourselves and for others? In this time of a not-so-gentle touch, how might love help us live in these next few months? So I invite you to spend a moment thinking about that. Thinking about how we live love in this time.